As we wrap up this uh, year today, it's my uh, privilege to uh, announce to you, introduce to you our next generation pastor, uh, Pastor Andrew and his wife Jacqueline uh, have served our body so faithfully over the last four or five years that, and uh, I'm just so excited to see what God has been doing uh, in and through them. This is an incredible uh, young couple, an incredible leader, leading students into the presence of God. And today he's come with a message on his heart uh, to share with us today. Now, they are soon to be parents and they're, they're, lead, they're going to lead not only many students, but they're going to have their own child here soon. And we are so excited for this incredible family. They're going to be incredible parents. In fact, Andrew's parents are here right now. I wasn't planning to do this, but I'm going to have you guys just stand right where you're at. Come on, say hello to Andrew's parents who are here today. Yeah! To hear that word today, Pastor Andrew, come and bring the word. Come on, church, give him a big hand today. Well, good morning. Thank you for that standing ovation. Uh, you may be seated. You can't laugh too loud because the people joining online will know that I was, wasn't telling the truth. Uh, but it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, of course, my parents are here and. I feel like I always make this joke, but now I have to because you've seen them. Now you know why I'm not the tallest person uh, in the room, uh, but love my family. Yes, we're, we're excited, myself and Jacqueline, uh, heading into the new year and, and looking forward to our, our daughter coming here uh, in a few weeks. And uh, the holidays are all, all, always, ooh, also, and also, always a good time, uh, a time to celebrate and a time to reflect. And as we go into the new year, that often just brings up a lot of memories, some good and maybe some a little bit painful. And a lot of times it's when the, the interesting conversations happen around the dinner table, right? Because family's back together, maybe extended family that you don't see only maybe a few times a year. And so you have a good time talking about some philosophy and all those awesome things. And so sometimes, right, that can kind of lead us into conversations that we've all maybe thought or even had. And, and a lot of times if we look at life or if, if things have been difficult, if it's been a trying year, it's often to wonder, you know, we ask ourselves why maybe the difficult things happen. And usually that we point to why does God allow difficult things to happen? And that makes us sound really cool and humanitarian and those things. And really what we mean by that, right? If you've asked yourself that question, which I'm sure we all probably have, I know I have, what we really are asking ourselves is, does God really love and care enough about me? Because it seems like difficult things happen in my life and, and sometimes it's hard to connect those two dots. Am I the only one who's been there? Some of us, you don't have to raise your hand for that one, uh, but you can nod. And so sometimes we find ourselves in that question and this is a, a story you're probably familiar with that illustrates this a little bit is there once was a man who he was drowning and he cries out to God, God, please save me. And so a boat comes by and offers to rescue the man to help him. And he says, no, don't worry. I've called on God to save me. He's going to save me. He cries out to God again, God, please save me. A second boat comes on in, offers to rescue the man. He says, no, don't worry. I've cried out to God. God's going to save me. As you know where this is going a third time, a third boat comes on down, offers to rescue the man. The man has the exact same response. Don't worry, God is going to save me. So the man drowns. He dies. 
It's not a happy ending in that perspective. And so when he gets to heaven, he goes to God. He says, God, I cried out to you. Why didn't you save me? And of course, God's response is, well, what are you talking about? I, I sent you three different boats. What else did you want me to do? And sometimes we, we might kind of be in those seasons where it's tough to see God's goodness or it might be difficult to celebrate because of the things that are going on. And sometimes we can kind of connect that with thinking maybe God is distant or maybe there's a lack of love. And luckily, because we have the Bible, the Bible is full of stories of Jesus's love and the things that he did for us. We're going to find ourselves in the book of John in chapter 11. This is the time of Jesus. He's doing his ministry. And at this point, it's coming somewhat to an end. His days on earth are numbered, as we know. And so this is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, that is kind of a, a spoiler warning as we go through the story. But that is the title in the Bible, so it kind of does give itself away. But we get to see this really cool interaction that Jesus has with this family that is really even unique to what we get to see Jesus do apart from his relationship with his own mother, his relationship with God, and his relationship with the disciples. Because most of what we get, the account of Jesus, is he's going and he's doing his ministry. The disciples are following him. He's teaching them. But we get to see a real kind of kinship, love, a friendship that Jesus has with this family that we're going to talk about. So the family, we have Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. So those are siblings. And Mary, if you're familiar, this is the same Mary, not his mother Mary, but this is the same Mary uh, that there's an account in Scripture that she actually cleans Jesus' feet. So if you're familiar with that story, this is one of the, the rare times when we're not talking about a disciple that somebody comes back into a story in Scripture. And so they're there, and what happens is, is Jesus is doing his ministry, He's doing his thing, and people come to him and say, Jesus, your, your friend, Lazarus, Mary and Martha have sent us. He's very ill, and his sickness is going to end in death, and they want you to come right away. Because they have this friendship, this relationship with Jesus, and so, of course, they know who he is, and they want him to come and to heal Lazarus because they've seen the things that Jesus can do, and they know who he is. And so this is Jesus' response. In John chapter 11, this is verse 4. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God and the glory of God's son that may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. So Jesus hears this and his response is that it won't end in death. And then we hear that Jesus loved this family. Now, again, Jesus' love is not unique, but the cool part is, is that points to, even though we don't get to walk it through necessarily, again, that there's a relationship here, that Jesus knows this family, he cares for this family, he has this unique, really cool just relationship with them, and again, we don't get to necessarily open the back doors to see all of what that looked like, even though we'll see a little bit of it illustrated later, it's a cool thing. That a lot of times we, talk, we think about Jesus again with his disciples, with his own family, which is awesome. But this is a, a separate family, apart from that, that Jesus has this loving, close relationship with. And the thing about this decision is it's actually going to lead straight to Jesus going to the cross. The reason is, is before this chapter, Jesus was doing his ministry with the disciples and people were getting angry about the things he was doing. The Pharisees were not liking the miracles and the things that were happening and so they actually had a plot to kill Jesus just the chapter before this. 
And Jesus says he does. It's, it's not his time. Him and the disciples kind of escape, and they leave that area. But what we know of Scripture, where this family lives, is going to pull Jesus right back into the center of everything. It's going to pull him right back in to the people that are trying to kill him. And again, it's Jesus, so he's very much aware of this. That's why his response is that he's going to do this for Lazarus because it's going to be for God's glory and it's going to be for the son of God's glory. Because again, we have to remember back at this time, the, the thoughts and feelings about Jesus varied, right? That connection with Jesus as the son of God wasn't as clear as it is to many of us today. And so this was a big step and Jesus always being in God's will and his father's will wanted to do this. And so the interesting thing is, as you may have picked up, we see Jesus loves them, but then it says he waited two days until he took the journey, which doesn't make sense because if he loves this family and he says he's going to heal Lazarus, would, why would he not leave right away, right? The message was obviously urgent. They didn't come up to Jesus and, and it wasn't like, hey, your buddy Lazarus, man, he's going to die. If you could, could you maybe like come and help? That's probably not what they said. They're probably frantic, like, they've said, the family sent us. They need you to heal Lazarus. He doesn't have much time left. Can you come right away? And Jesus waits two more days, right? The biggest reason for that is, again, that Jesus is always in his Father's will. He's so very much in tune with what God wants him to do that he's going to wait. Because what happens is, is he wants to resurrect Lazarus from the dead to show the glory of God, to show who he really is. The, the greatest miracle up to this point that's ever happened. And there was kind of this feeling at the time that a body, after someone had passed away, they had about three days or so until the body would decompose. And so if Jesus comes right away, then the body hasn't decomposed. And a lot of times people would say, oh, well, he wasn't actually dead. He was just maybe, in a, as we would say, a coma or a deep sleep. And so Jesus came. And so it wouldn't really have that full feel that Jesus really did raise him from the dead. And so he waits two days, and then it it's a two-day journey, excuse me, to get there. And so four days have now passed since Lazarus has passed away. And again, because you might, okay, that makes sense, but it still seems a little harsh. We got to understand, too, that based off what we know by that, if Jesus left right away, it still would have taken him two days to get there, and Lazarus would have passed away by then. So it wasn't like he was purposely waited to for him to die, he would have passed away even if Jesus went right away. But he's waiting to do this miracle. He's waiting to move because he's doing it for the glory of God. And even sometimes I think in our lives, we're, we sit in that waiting and it's really difficult because we don't understand maybe why whatever we're praying for, believing for, isn't happening at the moments that we want it to. But there's always something that God knows that we don't, which can be difficult, but that's just what faith is. Amen, church? And so Jesus goes, and before he goes, he has this conversation with the disciples, right? Because the disciples aren't happy that Jesus is going to do this. Again, he just kind of fled from about to be killed, and they're like, Jesus, you can't go back into the city because they're going to get you this time for sure. And Jesus, again, being who he is, he, he doesn't care. He's, trying to, he's been trying to prep the disciples about his death the whole time, but as we know, they often just miss it or don't really fully understand it. And so there's this dialogue back and forth where Jesus is like, I'm going, I'm going to raise him from the dead, and I'm going to do it because it's going to glorify God the Father and his son. And so they have this conversation. The disciples aren't happy, but they, they decide, okay, we'll go because we got to follow Jesus. 
So as the story goes on, it says this. This is what happens when Jesus gets there in verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Lord, Martha, one of the sisters, said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So Jesus has this conversation with Martha. And Martha is kind of, I guess what I would imagine, like the, the stoic. Because she is grieving and she is sad for the loss of her brother. But her conversation with Jesus is just very much the things that like we wish we, the conversation we'd have with Jesus when something bad happens. She's like, I know who you are. Jesus, I know that if you were here, my brother would not have died. And she's not saying that out of like, like this sarcasm or just out of anger, but out of just faith. So Jesus, I know if you were here, he wouldn't have died. Then she goes on to state her faith that she knows, like we hopefully know, that at the end when Jesus comes back again, we'll all be resurrected again with him. And so she confirms that with Jesus. So she's not thinking he's going to raise her brother from the dead right now or today. She's confirming her faith and saying even though he passed away, even though she's probably not happy about it, even though it's difficult, her faith and trust in Jesus hasn't wavered. And she knows that one day her brother will be raised again. And then Jesus says the words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All of that comes through me. And he's, he's hinting and he's telling her, he, I'm going to resurrect him now. But again, she's not really connecting that, right? She's, you're in the midst of grieving. And again, this is something to them that would be completely new. They had the faith that Jesus could do it, but it's not like they're walking around through life and people are being raised from the dead left and right, right? But yet we see the faith even in the midst of, of grieving, and then we get to Mary. So Mary is the other sister, and Mary's response is a little bit more emotional. It's, it doesn't lack faith, which we'll talk about, but some of us might be in this boat when we find ourselves in this situation. So after Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, said, the teacher is here and is asking for you. Scripture says, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So that response is a little bit different. It's, it's a lot quicker. They don't have this back and forth like Jesus has with Martha. Mary sees him and she's probably just overcome with a little bit of sorrow. She falls at his feet. But again, if you notice, she says the exact same thing that her sister said. She says, Jesus, if you would have been here, even if, maybe through the tears and through everything, may have been a little bit louder than Martha, but Jesus, if you would have been here, I know that my brother would not have died. And so even in the midst of that grieving, even in the midst of the sorrow, even though she might not have the, the strength as her sister Martha does, she still has the same amount of faith. Jesus knows that we're human. He knows that we experience emotion. And so you don't have to feel like, well, I better always find myself in the Martha position where I'm kind of stoic and strong but yet Mary, in this more emotional response, that's, that's all right with Jesus. He'd rather you just be honest with him because he's your father, and he knows, 
right? He, he knows what you're feeling even if you, you try to say something else. Because in the end, it wasn't really about their responses. It was about the faith that they showed Jesus. And he knew that both of them responding, Jesus, if you were here, we know that our brother would not have died. And that takes a lot of faith. I, I, sometimes in, in life, it's hard to know, do I have that kind of a faith? If I'm in a moment like that, could I, could I say that if it came to? But yet we see these two women have this just incredible, incredible faith. And again, this is faith even though there's no promise that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead today, right? Again, we know that's where the story's going. We know that's going to happen. But they're living it live and in person. And so they're having all these faith, faith statements even though they think to themselves, probably in the back of their mind, man, I wish Jesus would have got here earlier. Like, I don't know why when we, if, maybe if he would have came right when we told him, our brother would still be alive. And they're probably having some of those thoughts, but yet despite all of that, again, their faith in Jesus doesn't waver. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. That's the kind of faith that I want to see in my life, and, and it's a cool thing. But again, don't get caught up in the emotion, lack of, it's, God knows you. He formed you. He created you for a purpose and a reason. You're different than the people around you. And it's okay if you show emotion. And if you're more stoic and that works for you, that's all right too. But they have the same response. So the story goes on. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, it says that he was deeply moved but also troubled. Jesus asked, where have you laid him? They said, come and see, Lord. And then it says in, in response to Jesus seeing where Lazarus was that Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And so again, we find two different boats of faith that sometimes we find ourselves in one, sometimes we find ourselves in the other. But we can see that Jesus's anger but also his empathy in this moment are kind of tied together. But we want to question why that is because, okay, we just talked about that showing emotion is okay, and then it seems like in response to emotion, there, Jesus maybe wasn't overly happy. Or we question, well, why, if Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, why is it when he sees this, why does he weep? He knows what he's going to do. He knows what God's going to do. Why does he weep? And really the reason for that is not because of, of the response of anyone doing anything necessarily negative, but when Jesus sees them weeping, what probably maybe troubles him a little bit is not that they're upset and not that they're sad, but it, it probably looked like people who were weeping without any hope. That the sorrow is okay, that being sad is okay with Jesus. We see that he weeps, but, it, but what he's probably seeing it seems like they're weeping like people who don't know who he is, people that don't have him in their life, even though he's standing right there with them. And then we see the part where Jesus shows emotion, and really what we can tie with that is, is the reason what sep there's a lot of things that separate Jesus from everybody else. But one of the things that does that is that despite who he is and despite what he knows, Jesus, just like we don't like the effects of sin and being in a sin-fallen world, Jesus doesn't like it either. Jesus isn't happy with it either. Because again, he didn't go to the cross because he was forced to. He didn't go to the cross because they, it was like an action movie where Jesus is in the house and then the Jewish people like surround him and he's like, oh, I can't escape, because he could have. He went to the cross 
to get rid of the effect that sin has in our lives. That even though we go through difficult things and bad things happen, that we have eternal life because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and eternal life only comes through him. And so he's okay with our emotion. He's okay if we're upset when bad things happen, but he wants us to remember that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's always hope in him. Always hope in him, regardless of what you're going through heading into this new year. And then we see the response from the two groups, right? One side says when they see Jesus' reaction, wow, he, he must have really loved Lazarus. Then the other part, which I honestly would probably fall in this boat, they were like, wait a minute, Jesus is crying, which is nice, but we've seen him do miracles, so can he just do it again here? And the thing about that is, is that actually isn't a lack of faith statement. Because what they're saying is they're confirming their faith and knowing, well, he, he can do this. Why is he upset? He can just do it here. And so even sometimes in our honesty with God, if we have those moments where we're struggling, yet still we can see that their faith tied together. And again, you might be in like a Mary or a Martha, or sometimes I think we're both depending on the season of life. Sometimes we're in this situation where something bad happens and we glorify God, Jesus and I know his love and I know who he is. And sometimes we're in the other boat and like, okay, I, I, I get all that, but man, I know that Jesus can do this. So why isn't he or why doesn't he? Because I don't feel like I'm lacking faith in what he can do. I just don't see it happening. And so now it's time for Jesus to do what only he can do. As the scripture goes on, it says, then Jesus looked up and said, father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with stripes of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to the people around, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And just like that, up to this point, the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed until he went to the cross happens, just like that. You got to imagine the people around the tie that they had to see between Jesus and God, because again, Jesus is performing this miracle so they, they can see that. You got to imagine if you're there, if you need to close your eyes, if it helps you pick, put yourself there, you can do that. That's all right. I won't get offended. But if you can put yourself there, you're outside of this tomb and you're watching Jesus and nothing has happened and Jesus just looks up to heaven and is like, God, thank you for answering my prayer. And you're like, answering your, nothing's happened yet. Like, did I miss it? He thanks God before Lazarus even raised from the dead because of that connection, Jesus already knows what's gonna happen. He's not worried about it. He thanks God for what he's already done, even in the midst of something that hasn't appeared to happen yet. And sometimes we might be in that situation where we have to thank God even for the things that haven't taken place yet, even for the things that we haven't seen yet. And so he calls Lazarus out of the grave just like that. What I love about Jesus is, even though you could see it like a level of showmanship in there, really there's not, it's just so simple with Jesus. He doesn't go into like, I'm going to get into this real big speech and he doesn't start preaching for 30 minutes first at the tomb. He just simply is like, come on, Lazarus, come on out, my friend. Lazarus like waddles on out because he's, he's like mummified almost, right? He's wrapped up. And he's like hopping on out. 
And everybody had to be like, whoa. And Jesus is like, yeah, guys, just take that off of him. He's good to go. Like, it's a crazy thing. It seems so simple when we read it, but you gotta, this, is a, this is a crazy thing that's happening. And even there's a lot of accounts or people that have said, you know, where Lazarus is buried, where the tomb was, there was others around that if Jesus, just the power within him and what God could do, if, if he didn't specifically tell Lazarus to come out, if Jesus would have just said, come out, that everybody would have just came out in their grave clothes. Because that's the kind of power that Jesus has. And that would have been quite a crazy sight. And that is a sight that will happen when Jesus comes back again in, in the end. But this is it's just an incredible story. That Jesus' love, even before he's gone to the cross, is illustrated so well in what he's doing. And not even so much in, in the hands and the things that he can do for us, but in just who he is. In just who he is. And so really the point tying into the beginning is really this, right? A lot of times we might ask ourselves, right, does God really love me? And, and that's not really a question to me. If, if you know anything about scripture, you'll see it over and over and over and over and over again. But the question becomes then when difficult things happen, I gotta ask myself, do I love Jesus enough? Not enough to, well, I can't cry or I have to keep it together, but do I love him enough to sustain my faith and my confidence in him, even if it wavers a little bit, and that's okay. But even in the midst of whatever it is that I might be going through, am I able to keep my faith in Jesus? Because you got to remember, again, Mary and Martha did not know that he was going to do this. This, is a, this was still a shock to them that it happened. They didn't know it was coming. They didn't know it was going to happen. They both had different emotional responses, but they both said the same thing. Jesus, I know that you can do this thing. Jesus, I know if you're here, I know what you can do because I know who you are. And so when we find ourselves in that, and, and the answer is simple. Many of us know the greatest commandment. In Matthew, verse 22, we, we see it all the way in the Old Testament. But Jesus goes back it again that the very first commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your, with all your, and with all your, says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then, of course, Jesus adds to it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so really, that, right, the answer there is, is found all along. It, it's been clear since the beginning that if we're able to love God with everything in us, even in the midst of sorrow, we'll be able to maintain our faith and especially to maintain our hope that's found in Jesus. It's difficult at times. It, it, maybe it's been a trying year. You're looking forward to 2022 because 2021 wasn't doing it for you. And in the end, even though life can be difficult, the things that we walk through, we, we always have hope in Jesus. We always have him. He's always with us. Uh, we, we've talked about in, a, in four weeks or so, uh, we're getting ready to, to welcome our daughter into the world, uh, which is exciting and it's awesome. And for us that, uh, will be our, our, first, our first child born. Um, but a little over a year ago, uh, Jacqueline was pregnant for the first time. Uh, this was the very first time. Uh, we, were, we were so excited. I can remember uh, sitting on the couch and she <laughs> sprints in with the little pregnancy test and we're freaking out in a good way, in a good way. We're excited. We do what many people do. We go to the store. It's late at night. We grab like, we buy like unnecessarily 10 more pregnancy tests because it was like it was a good shock 
We were like, this is awesome. We're so excited. We got to make sure this is for real. And it was. Um, and then time kind of goes on. And then, you know, part of the reality sits in in the world that we live in is that, especially early on, there's that fear of uh, something may happen. And so we're going and we're doing appointments. Um, we have this kind of a scare. So we go in. They check the heartbeat. Everything's good. Great. A couple of days later, it's a Sunday morning. Uh, Jacqueline isn't feeling too well. We go home. Uh, we get we get lunch, all the things. Really not feeling well, and uh, things begin to take place where uh, it's not looking real good. So we head to the ER. It's late. It's it's the fall. It's cold, uh, and this is kind of the time where you know COVID's still happening. But this is the time where only one person was allowed in the hospital, uh, which meant that most likely I would have to drop her off and I couldn't even go in. I thought, well, maybe, maybe they'll make some kind of exception. We go, we drop her off, I go in, this is going on. And they say, sorry, only the patient can come in. And so in this emotion and in all the things that we're feeling, we have this kind of separation from each other. Jacqueline has to go in by herself. I'm out in the parking lot. And I had a very much of a merry response to what was going on. And at the beginning, instead of sadness, it was more anger. Is that you begin to question, and, and I'm pacing out in the parking lot. Anyone that saw me, I would look like a madman. But I'm pacing around in the parking lot and, and answering you know, all these things. I'm like, God, you know, we, we've been talking like this is our miracle baby. What's going on? And I won't get into everything I said, but it was just raw. It was true. And God knows me. And whether I say it or not, he knows. It wasn't a losing of my faith, but it was just, it was just real in, in what I was feeling at the time. And then, of course, it transitions because it's, a while has gone by. And now that anger is still there, but it kind of turns into something different. I begin to kind of plea with God on behalf of my unborn child. I found myself saying over and over again, you know, God, the story hasn't been written yet. You can change it. The story has not been written yet. You, you can change it. And she's in there and time goes on and goes on. And of course, that it, it ends not the way that we had hoped it would end and not the way that we prayed it would end. Uh, Jacqueline gives me the call and, you know, it's, it's a miscarriage. Uh, they're going to keep me for a few more hours. Uh, go ahead and, you know, head home and come back. So I head home. And through all the emotion, I don't know what to really do with myself. And we had like baby stuff set up and I put it all away because I don't know. I don't know if I didn't want to look at it at the time or I didn't want Jacqueline to come home and, and to see that. So I put it away. I'm just having this moment with God, right? This time with him. And it was difficult. And it was difficult for a while. But the thing about it, it's funny. Standing outside in a dark parking lot in the fall by myself, angry about what was going on, I can honestly tell you, I never felt alone. In the midst of everything that I was feeling, I didn't feel like God was distant from me. I felt like he was right there, which I don't know if a wave sparked more emotion, but I didn't feel like God has left me in this situation in the midst of it, he doesn't care and he's not there. I, I felt that he was there and I knew that he still loved me. And I didn't know in the midst of that what the promise might be. I, 
was still trying to hold on to the hope that I had and the faith that I had. And when I get the call that, okay, it's, it's not what we want it to be. It was the kind of peace that you hear about it in the scripture that only God can give. And I was still sad. We still spent times, sometimes you gotta cry yourself to sleep. But even in the midst of that, I, I never felt that I really lost hope and I really lost my faith or that he was away from me in that. In this story about Lazarus and the family, it's just such a similar thing. And I know in the end, their story looked a little bit different and the result turned into what they wanted it to be. But we got to remember at the beginning, the result for Mary and Martha was not what they wanted it to be. And they didn't know what was going to happen. And in the end, really the lesson that comes is that regardless of the outcome, we have to love Jesus for who he is more than what he can do. Because he can do powerful things and he does. And I encourage you, even when, no matter what you may be going through, to, to remember those things and remind yourself of that. But we have to love him first for who he is, despite what he can do. And I had faith in what he could do and it didn't turn out, but my love for who he was was able to sustain. And, and we've grown a lot in that. We've walking through that and, and the things that come and, and just holding on to who he is. Cause so, you know what? We know at some point we, we're gonna have some kids and whether that is naturally or through adoption or fostering, it was like, you know, we felt like God's promise in that was we'll have kids somehow, some way. We didn't know when it was gonna be, what it would look like, but it was like, you know what? We're, we're just gonna let God do his thing because we trust him and we love him. And I wanna encourage you this morning to do that same thing. If you could stand, uh, we're gonna get ready to, to go into just a time of worship before we close. And you might be in one of two spots, but this is a quote from a friend of mine, a mentor, J.P. Dorsey, that I think really kind of sums up where we may be this morning. He said, we will all go through seasons where we get to declare God's goodness because of the good things that he's done for us. And we will also go through seasons where when we, we get to declare God's goodness by demonstrating that his goodness is enough for us even when the good things we wanted were left undone. That you may find yourself in a season where you get to celebrate God's goodness this morning because of the things that he's doing in your life. And you might be in a season this morning where you get to celebrate God's goodness by demonstrating who he is, even though right now the outcomes haven't been what you wanted them to be. So I wanna encourage you wherever you find yourself, let's celebrate the goodness of God this morning together.
close this service today. First of all, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Andrew uh, for sharing their story uh, with us here this morning. The power of that story speaks, I believe, to each and every one of us. Maybe you're here and your outcome isn't what you thought it would be. He is here with you. It's really the story of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. He is here. He is with you. He is with you and I today. Can we just thank Pastor Andrew for sharing that word with us today? What an awesome message, my friend. Thank you. The grave has no hold on him, which means it has no hold on us. <laughs> That's good news. That is Merry Christmas right there. So I'm going to close this service in prayer. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Kurt, would you pray for me? Got some outcomes that I need the Lord to step in next to me. I, I need a change in this outcome or maybe even in my perspective, realizing what I'm going through. He is here with me. I, I need to sense his presence with me today. If that's you, would you just lift your hands to the Lord right where you're at? And we're just going to seek him together today. Lord, as we lift our hands to you, Father, those who have need of your presence in their lives, those who are here who need your touch, those who are here who need to understand, God, even the difficulties that they may be walking through right now, they are not alone. Lord, I pray your presence would flood and fill their hearts and their lives today. Lord, we thank you for this moment that we have to share. And God, I pray that your goodness and mercy and grace would touch each and every person who is extending their heart to you right now. Lord, I thank you. Lord, let that train continue to fill your temple. May it continue to fill our hearts and our lives today. Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, I pray that it would seat deeply in our hearts. Lord, may we ponder it this week, this incredible story, and knowing that you are with us. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone here together said, amen, amen. Amen. Yeah, God, let's give him praise today. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Listen, uh, on your way out, we pray that you have an amazing week this week. We pray you had a great Christmas, and we hope uh, as we see you next time, it'll be 2022. So we pray that you have an awesome new year. Happy New Year. Have a great week in the Lord.